Generosity Path podcast, a space for global conversations with people from different walks of life about the impact generosity has had on them. It's a place of inspiration, encouragement, and hopefully joy as we hear about the transforming power and potential of generosity to change the world. My name is Lucy and I'm the uh, Director of Operations with Generosity Path and today I'm delighted to be joined on a video call by Anting Liu. Hi Anting, how are you? Hi Lucy, how are everybody? I'm doing great. Anting, um, I'm just going to uh, brag on you a bit at the beginning. I'd just like to tell our <laughs> listeners a little bit about you. So Anting Liu mm-hmm. is the founder of Teach for Taiwan TFT, an NGO that has placed hundreds of Taiwanese youth in rural areas to address inequities in Taiwan's education system. Since 2013, TFT has served over 5,000 students with an alumni of the program going on to become leaders in education, social innovation and politics. TFT has been dubbed Taiwan's most influential educational NGO of this generation. In addition to her work with TFT, Anting was invited last year to create School 28, a new organization to cultivate uh, impact talent in Taiwan. She also co-created Education Collab, an NPO office focused on educational innovation that was recognized by President Tsai. She sits on multiple NGO boards and serves as an advisor to Taiwan's National Development Council. Anting grew up in Taichung in Taiwan and at 18 left for Princeton University where she studied international and public affairs with a focus on education policy and international development. Her research and teaching work took her to Ghana, Haiti, France, Cambodia, and youth prisons in the US. She was named to Forbes's 30 Under 30 list in 2016, and was recently listed as being among 30 entrepreneurs in Taiwan to know by Business Weekly. And Ting, incredible, totally intimidating. I feel like I'm sat yeah, in the I presence just, of royalty. <laughs> I just wish the listener could see my cringing face right now. <laughs> I get so awkward whenever people introduce me so officially. Well, I think you're amazing. I, um, do you manage to sleep at night? Do you get time to sleep? <laughs> I mean, I think that question was a more difficult one with uh, now a, a toddler with me, with us. <laughs> so, no, I don't remember the last time I got to sleep a whole night. No, <laughs> but that's not necessarily because of my work. <laughs> well, congratulations on becoming a mother. That's wonderful news. Um, Anting, I was first um, connected with you when someone sent me a TED Talk um, that you'd done a few years back. Um, yeah. And for any les- listener who would like to listen to it, they can pop onto YouTube and pop your name in. Um, and your TED Talk talks us through... Um, your life really from when your mum was unwell um, when you were 11 years old, how you got to Princeton, what happened at Princeton, and then you ended up in spending some time in Haiti in a refugee camp. And I think for me and Ting, what stood out so much was that you'd gone to Haiti and you used the words to prove your significance or to hopefully save some people. Um, but the feedback that you were given from people in the refugee camp was that you listened to them and you saw them yourself um, just as weak as they were. And I think that had a profound impact on you. Can you tell mm. us a bit about this and how it shaped what you went on to do next? Yeah, um, sure. Uh, we we're bringing back memories from quite a while ago, but, you know, important ones to me. Um, I think 
um, even without you uh, having brought up the the Haiti uh, story, I would have brought up myself because when I saw the word generosity, um, actually the Haitians that had a privilege to work with, to serve, um, were some of the most generous people, some of the people that really first taught me and shown, showed me what generosity could truly mean in a very deep sense. So I would have brought it up anyway, um, be, um, but because of a different angle. Um, anyhow, I, uh, I think it was 2010 that I went to Haiti right after um, the very unfortunate earthquake that had happened at that time. Um, we were working in a uh, what they call a tent city, uh, where everybody was living in very simple tents. And I, I had additional reason to be there because um, I'm from Taiwan, and actually Haiti is one of I think the 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 twenty fewer than twenty um, official diplomatic allies left oh, in really? the world for okay. Taiwan. <laughs> so it was actually. Yeah, the airport experience, surprisingly, was the smoothest I've ever been because <laughs> typically holding a Taiwan passport would get me questions at immigrations, but not in Haiti. Everybody knew what where Taiwan was. There actually um, are a lot of Haitians working or studying in Taiwan, um, and um, everybody even knew the name of the, the Taiwan island, the original name, which is Portuguese, I think, called Formosa. So oh um, they, they, they even know these details. And a lot of the hospitals were named after Formosa, Formosa Bridge, Formosa Hospital, Formosa Building. So it had a so really close eerie, sense, yes, a eerie sense of intimacy uh, from the onset. Um, and I had only started learning French um, two years prior, so... Um, I even even with such a short learning time, um, I was the only person on the American team I was part of um, that could speak some French. Um, so um, that was, I guess, an even added layer of uh, connection there as well, because I could speak a language that most of them could understand. So I think um, because of those um, initial layers of intimacy, um, it really brought me to um, open my eyes and open my ears to to listen to the the story as they were told by um, these people that we had the privilege of serving, rather than coming in with a preconceived notion of what a good Christian looks like, of what a good person, what good service looks like. Um, I think so often. Um, that used to be mine as well. You know, it's all, so easily we could come into situations like those and forget that these at the core are human situations, human times. Um, we use the word professional sometimes a little too too much to my um, perspective. Where you know, I think professional, the word professional blocks out a lot of the important human considerations because they seem to be noises. They seem to create complications. So when we use the word professional, we seem to be able to focus on simpler ideas and simpler things that we could execute. Um, but I think in Haiti, um, it was a time where I um, broke all my preconceived notions, broke all my um, stereotypes of what service looked like. And I came to realize it's, um, I think it's my, one of my favorite authors, new, new one, who said that there's a true difference between the ambition to serve and the ambition to, oh, I think, I'm, for, I'm paraphrasing anyway, the true, true difference between um, 
the ambition to be significant and the ambition to truly serve and truly love. And I think it's where I began to see distinguishment between um, whether it's my own ambition to be um, to be significant or is is it truly a, a a time where I can go beyond myself and and see uh, what a selfless, sacrificial love can look like. Um, so, anyway, um, the the time when I was in Haiti. Um, I think got me started on this path of, um, in my faith as well, trying to understand what it means to, to exhibit that sacrificial love that um, I had experienced, I had seen um, into my work daily life as well. It's not something that I only think about on Sundays or at churches. It's something that I truly deeply want to be able to live out um, daily. Um, and, and so that, that led me to really rethink what I do professionally. Coming out of Princeton, you know, one third of my peers would go to Wall Street. The other third would, would go to, you know, top companies. And um, so I think at that time, it was very scary to be an outlier where I wanted to seemingly chart a path that um, is almost unheard of by a lot of my peers um, and making big decisions like whether I want to stay in the Western world um, or come back to my country or go to another, maybe a developing country as well to, to serve. Um, so I'm sorry, I'm not sure about if I'm answering your question um, really accurately, um, but I think um, when, when in Haiti I was served and I, I was shown uh, by the people who seemingly had so little, who seemingly had lost everything they could have, um, but they were the most generous people, the most genuine people, and the most faithful as well. They showed me what faith truly meant. Um, that nothing can take away that hope um, and and that love and that that spirit of sacrifice. You don't need to be someone who has a lot to be able to sacrifice. Um, what what that means, um, what that does to a person. So I really wanted, in my small way, to replicate that generosity. Um, so I guess that in a, in a way explains where I am now and what I do today as well. Amazing. Thank you so much, Anting. That's really insightful. And, and you're, yeah, I mean, time and time again, we come across stories of, of people who are the poorest of the poor, yet exactly like you're saying, they exhibit such immense generosity um, yes. out, of, out of the very little that they have. It's, it's moving yes. and inspiring. No, it, it's humbling, I think, um, coming from um, where I, 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 and I didn't come from a wealthy family at all, but um, I think it's from um, these life stories that I get, to, I get to witness, I get to be part of, that I realize simply how fortunate I had been. And I, I never, I think, opened my eyes to see the blessings and graces that have been put in my life. So... Um, I often actually ask myself the question, where is your generosity? Uh, since I left Haiti, actually, there are all these situations where it's so tempting to be selfish. It's so tempting to not want to put others before me. It, it's, there are so many temptations that come big or small ways. Um, and the question, where is my generosity, uh, keeps coming back. Um, and it's a very powerful reminder for me um, to respond to all the graces and blessings that God had put in my life. And those blessings had a purpose because I could be generous. Um, so, yeah. 
And Ting, one thing we know that you're really passionate about is education, um, mm-hmm. especially especially for people who potentially are sort of more marginalised. Can you tell me how that connects or intersects with generosity to form a mm-hmm. unique passion of yours? Yeah, um, I think education, my mother incidentally was a teacher, so she gave me my first peek into what being an educator look like. Um, but I think, you know, when it comes to education, it's really a work of, a life-shaping work of helping each other become the best versions that God had created us to be. And that should not be um, differentiated based on one's family background or geographic location or, you know, your, your wealth. So I think education in particular, education inequities um, is, is a part where I think um, it's heartbreaking um, from my perspective, but I think it also breaks God's heart in my, in my um, imagination or in my understanding that um, there are such beloved children of His that are beautifully created, whose potentials could be realized with a good education, um, opportunities that should be equal and accessible to anyone. Um, but, but simply these beautiful children um, face such um, overwhelming barriers and obstacles from the very onset of their lives. And I think as a human community um, and as Christians um, and as educators, it is a privilege as well through the profession of um, education to help um, these um, others, other members of the community become um, what the best that they could become in the process of becoming what the, the best versions of us ourselves as well. I think it's a, it's a very bi-directional mutual thing too. Um, so I think being an educator is connected to the concept of generosity because um, it's particularly a kind of uh, job where you don't really necessarily see the return of your hard work right away. <laughs> um you, of course, need to constantly be taking leaps of faith, but at the same time, knowing that even if you know, your investment of time, of care, um, don't come back in, you know, a timely fashion or in the, in the same way that you personally would most prefer, um, these work of shaping lives, these work of um, showing love, these work of building important relationships that could really be supportive to another person. I think these, um, you know, generosity for me also is demonstrating in these efforts where you don't expect return necessarily when when you're doing that. And um, in in a in a uh, in a contradictory way, I think um, you know these people who become most generous without expecting return actually receive most return at the end. Um, but it's a tricky thing where if you expect generous returns, then you're actually not being generous. So, yes, yeah. <laughs> so um, I think being an educator requires practice um, and acts of generosity 
on a daily basis, even minute by minute, you are challenged to be even more generous than the previous minute. Um, because just when you think you're experienced enough, then you meet a new kid <laughs> who challenges um, all the previous experiences and assumptions that you might have had. Um, so I think that's that for me is a daily connection. Wow, thank you for sharing. Wow, that's, yeah, that's fascinating insight. What are some of the hardest things and some of the most rewarding things you've experienced when you've engaged in generosity? There are ones with, uh, I think it was a New York Times columnist um, called David Brooks, I think, who, who had a quote that I remember. I, I read that article a long time ago, but I always remember that quote where he said, the purpose of life, he discovered the purpose of life was not to find yourself, but to lose yourself. And I, I ponder on that term for, for a long time. I was like, what does it mean to lose yourself? It's very contra- counterintuitive, right? Where, you know, especially in our modern cultures, we talk about finding ourselves, finding our meanings, finding our calling. Um, but what does it mean to lose yourself? And I only got to experience what I think to be losing myself and responding to a bigger story um, beyond my own limitations um, to be generous in a way, you know, when I, when I find myself lost in a bigger story, I forget my limitation. I forget how small a person I am. I forget um, that, uh, that I have all these self-centeredness, these, um, uh, you know, these uh, selfish considerations as well. I, I, you know, in Haiti, for example, in, in, in uh, being an educator, there are moments where you really forget um, all these things and just simply are lost in the moment because you've, you find it so meaningful and so powerful to be part of a bigger story, to be part, part of a bigger, more meaningful narrative. Um, and I think in those moments where you, you, you find the capacity to, to be generous, uh, you find the capacity to give, you find the capacity to let go of your own limitations. I think those moments um, shape my understanding of being generous. It's, it's truly when I, um, when I give, and when, I, when I learn to be generous, that I find my own meaning as well, uh, much more than you know, say finding a dream job or finding a dream husband. <laughs> you know, yeah, these are great, you know, I guess life achievements. Um, at the same time, um, it's not nearly the same level of depth that uh, in acts of generosity I got to experience. It reminds me again, sorry to, to labour the point of your TED Talk. I want everyone who's listening to go and, listen, to go and watch it. Um, but you talk about um, your friends giving you this nickname because obviously your surname is Liu. Um, so you yes, were a loser, yes. um, which when you started talking about it, it was so heartbreaking to hear. However, yes, yes. It, you know, at the end of the talk, it, you talk about how it sort of redeems itself because you say that you're okay with being a loser if losing yourself makes more room mm, that's right. for others. Um, yes. Yeah, which I, I think was beautiful. And I think that's, you know, probably what we've just <laughs> been talking about is, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. I, I almost forgot that I mentioned that same quote in the TED Talk. The TED Talk, by the way, for any listener who is wondering what is this talk that Lucy keeps referring to? That TED talk was from a while ago. Um, I think it was five or six years ago. And I was speaking to a bunch of um, high schoolers 
um, in Taiwan. So, yeah, that you know, I guess it proves that I, I have been keep uh, reflecting on that quote for a long time. I even mentioned it in, in that TED talk, and and I think it is. Uh, there's such freedom in freeing ourselves from ourselves. <laughs> and, um, our culture, our modern culture, teaches so much about you know self care. Um, it's all about us, ourselves, individuals. Um, how do we become, uh, you know, find our own calling? How how do we find what we like, what we love? How do I create a life that I want? There's so much I in you know what the modern culture um, praises, uh, and um, I think it's it's only um, in I think the the previous experiences that we talk about in acts of generosity that that you realize, hey, there's there might be a lot more <laughs> to uh, what our culture is teaching us, you know, it's, it's encouraging us to look at if we can really learn to look beyond ourselves. And Ting, just to learn a bit more about who you are and what's on your heart, can you tell us about a project that you're working on right now or something that you are passionately pursuing? Oh, wow, where do I begin? <laughs> well, um... I'm assuming that you're referring more to, um, I guess, my work set because actually the the one most passionate project I would call is motherhood. Now <laughs> that I'm pursuing, it's a very challenging and passionate project. <laughs> but um, aside from that project, <laughs> um, I think in in my work, I think um, I'm most passionate about bringing people um, from very different. Um, perspectives to be working together and more specifically um, as you read in my bio we we started forming um, alliances that had not been existing in Taiwan before so you know the school 28 project that you quickly mentioned Mm. is an alliance that brought together organizations that come from very different um, sectors in Taiwan um, where we try to find a common language of impact. And, and you know, it, it's not as easy as just starting a school and announcing it. It's actually a lot of conversations, dialogues um, that that really allow people who normally, you know, without good design and goodwill can really get into conflict because people have different <laughs> takes on things and, you know, political spectrum. People have different ideas of what the future could look like. How do we bring these t- people together still in in our differences, we can find common um, common pursuits and common interests as a, as a community. So mm-hmm. I think my passion is in community building. So School 28 for me is, is a community building project. The other project you might, you might have mentioned in my bio is called Education Collab. It's actually yeah. also, to me, another community building project as well, bringing together. It might seem like we're all working in education <laughs> in this space. But you might be surprised by how diverse people's views are and how often we can get into a fight. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so I think um, it, I think it was Bonhoeffer, the the uh, the writer and the pastor who um, who initially got me started thinking about co- the concept of community. And it, of course, it's a, it's, it has a very Christian angle to that as well. Mm-hmm. You know, how do we live um, live out our calling not just individually but in community in community there is sacrifice in community there requires uh, generosity yeah. uh, in, in community we 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 respond to a bigger story than we each individually could so um i think i, I try to bring that community 
mission to my professional um, sphere as well. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't imagine that you were just working on one thing with um, everything that you've done in your life. I can't imagine you're someone who just does one thing at a time. So, um, yeah. Anting, um, just finally, I'd love to know, um, what's the most freeing thing about generosity that you wish everyone knew? Wow, that's a, such a deep question. I know. <laughs> um, I'm, I might have, I might have um, referred to it as already um, because I just talk about how there is such freedom to be found when you can lose yourself in generosity, lose yourself beyond one's own limitations. And I think that's the one thing that, if I could repeat myself, of course. Um, in answer to your last question as well, um, that we often think that in being generous, we are... Uh, you know, we become, we own less, you know, we are, we are afraid that, um, you know, um, I don't have unlimited resource. I don't, I'm a, you know, I have to look out for my self-interest, you know, I can't, the concept of complete generosity is, I think, very counter humanity, counter um, uh, intuitive too, you know, because I think we are, in a way, wired to to look out for our own interests and to 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 protect ourselves from harm and to look out for our immediate family and and cared uh, loved ones. Um, but I think, uh, you know, in my uh, recent years of practice of being more generous from the day before, you know, in this constant practice of being generous I found that not only did I never become less <laughs> it's the only way actually to yeah. to become more satisfied and fulfilled on the deepest possible level I think the the reason why our God had called us to be generous is not just to you know give a hard time to our lives <laughs> he's not just to he's not just trying to 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 uh, give us challenging texts. I think he he loves us to a point that he understands that the way he designed us to be ultimately fulfilled um, is through generosity as yeah. well, and that's how he had demonstrated through Jesus and and through all these other disciples too. So I think um, that's the encouragement I would say to myself and to anyone who might be facing similar fears too. It's great to hear, and <laughs> I I fully agree. You know. Complete generosity is very counterintuitive, especially in the culture that we live in um, today. So, um, yeah, I fully agree. It's just been such a pleasure to spend time with you today, Anting, and to hear your story. Thank you for just letting us into your life and um, bringing us on this journey with you. Thank you to you, Lucy, and thank you to the team. Thank you for any listener who listens in as well. Thank you. Such a pleasure, Anting. It's been just wonderful to spend time with you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Generosity Path podcast. Pay it forward by rating, sharing and subscribing. To find out more about connecting your own passions and purpose with your giving, visit generositypath.org or engage in the conversation by following us on social media. Let's make the world a better place.